Welcome back to Korean True Crime. I'm your host, Mimi Mizigo. This is part two of the Bizarre Rabbit case. If you haven't seen part one, go back, watch it, and then continue. I'll be waiting for you here. Jayan and Ari's murder would become a cold case until about nine years later on October 17th, 2015, when a Korean investigative television series similar to 48 Hours called Unanswered Questions aired episode 1005, The Bizarre Rabbit Case. The police reinvestigated the case, but again, were empty-handed when it came to suspects and a location. Four more years passed, and in 2019, a viewer saw the episode replayed on TV and called into the tip line that the show has. A lot of people call into the tip line, though, most of them pretending to be the killer, a victim's family or it's just a prank call. However, this man named Kong knew the description of the shoe rack and recognized it from an odd job he'd done years prior. After his military service, Kong had worked at a cable company. He'd been called out to cancel the service of an apartment attached to a two-story house. When he got to the apartment, however, and knocked on the door, nobody answered. He waited around a while before he made his way to the main house to see if anyone could let him into the basement apartment. But while he waited at the front door, he noticed the shoe rack, light brown in color, with a flower pot that looked like a child had made it. He also noticed the Mashimaro sticker, which was quite large, on the side of the shoe rack. As he waited at the main house, the man finally came out of the basement apartment. He demanded to know why Kong was knocking on his door. Kong explained his job and the service he was there to do. The man reluctantly allowed Kong inside his apartment. He noticed that the apartment floor was covered in ropes and cords, but he was there to do a job and he did it. As he was leaving, the man stopped him and asked to keep the wires that he had cut from the home. Kong knew they weren't supposed to do that. They were supposed to recycle the wires back at the factory, but the man would not take the answer no. He kept insisting that he keep the wires. He wanted them. He wanted to keep them, and Kong eventually agreed and just let him keep the wires. Then he left, creeped out by the entire situation. Kong told his story to the production team at Unanswered Questions, and they asked if he would be willing to meet with a hypnotist to do a hypnosis interview to see if there were any underlying details that he couldn't remember. The production team was trying to find some information that would corroborate Jiu's story that there was a second man living in the apartment. Once under the hypnosis, Kong retold his story, almost the exact same way. It seemed to be a fruitless effort until Kong got to the part where the man stopped him to ask for the wires. That's when he remembered the man who let him in the apartment and the man who asked for the wires weren't the same person. He said he remembered the man having eyeliner on and really thick, dark eyebrows as if he had drawn them on. His description of the man perfectly matched Jiu's. 30s, average build, thick eyebrows. The show hired a sketch artist to make a depiction of the man and they put it on their show, but no tips that could be used were called in. Kong was actually able to lead them back to the home, but it had been completely demolished and remodeled. The basement apartment no longer existed. When the new episode with Kong's story in it aired, a detective with the Busan Police, Detective Zhang Wujong, saw the episode and had an idea about who the culprits were. He talked to the private investigators about a criminal duo that were active in the Xinjiang area two years after Jiu's kidnapping. The two men worked together to kidnap, sexually assault, and release 
two women before being caught in 2008. The suspected men were Park Geun-hyung and Kim Sun-woo, both around 30 years old at the time of the three women's attacks. Detective Jung remarked that it didn't appear that they were amateurs when they were arrested, that they had done this before, and also that Park Geun-hyung had a very dark past. Park's criminal past began in 1995 when he retaliated against an older man that had been harassing and stalking his mother. In turn, Park began sexually harassing the man's daughter-in-law. It's very eye-for-an-eye kind of justice, and the daughter-in-law definitely didn't deserve that. But I doubt Park was thinking about ethics when he was making his choices because the incidents would continue to escalate until one day he lured the man into his home and murdered him. Park went to prison for nine years. He was released on parole in 2004, where he found work at a construction company that he worked at until he was arrested again in 2008. Kim Sung-woo had a history as well, but nothing like Park. He'd been arrested before in 2003 for stealing out of cars, but that's the extent. As far as we know, he hadn't committed any sexual crimes. Kim only spent a year and a half in jail, and when he was released in 2005, his family said that he kept in touch with someone, and he went out regularly to meet them. But here's the kicker. Kim and Park never served time in jail together. While the police didn't think Park and Kim had anything to do with the bizarre rabbit case, unanswered question private investigation team did. They went to Kim, who was already released on parole before Park. Kim swore that he hadn't met Park until 2007 when they worked on a construction site together. Unanswered Questions crew said that Kim had an answer for everything. It sounded cold and rehearsed, like he was expecting these questions and was waiting for someone to ask them. When they asked Kim about the basement apartment, he said he'd always lived in poverty and he never could afford such a nice place to live. He didn't flat out deny that he had spent time there, but he talked about how he'd never lived anywhere as nice as that. Later, the production team spoke to a parole officer to get their ideas about the case, and the parole officer said it was possible that the two men met at a probation center. The parole officer said that the probation centers didn't keep track of when or where the parolees met with their parole officer, so it was possible that the two men met in passing at one of the centers. The investigation team continued to communicate with the police, but the police hadn't chosen to reopen the case, and they still considered Kim and Park not to be suspects. To this day, the case remains cold. Is it possible that Park and Kim are responsible for the murders of Jay and Ari and the kidnapping of Jiu? Or did the real killer get away without ever being a suspect on the police's radar? We may never know. See you next time, true crime enthusiasts. Thank you for joining me on this two-part series of the Bizarre Rabbit Cake.